So for me, the structure is communication is like juggling 18 balls at the same time. So one of those balls is smiling, one of them is vocal tone variety, one of them is body language, facial expressions, vocal tones, and the list goes on. Mm. But it gets really overwhelming for people who are just getting started. So for me, the way that I've kind of broken this down to make it easier for people to digest is simply what are the three easiest balls to juggle? Welcome to the Road Less Babble, man. I appreciate you hopping on this call with me. I um, got Brendan with me here for everybody listening. Brendan, what's your what's your story? What's the ten thousand foot view? How'd you end up here? Yeah, for sure. the The ten thousand foot view, Yavitsa, was you know born and raised in Montreal, which is a city in Canada, and I grew up my whole life speaking French, which was a language I didn't know at the time. So I spent most of my childhood presenting in languages I didn't know, having a crooked left arm, so no one really liked me that much as a kid. And it was really hard for me to make friends. And I grew up with factory worker parents. So that's, I guess, the, the summary Damn. of okay. the, the childhood. And how, how what I do came to be was when I was in college, I majored in accounting, funny enough, which is literally the opposite of what I do at today. And then during that time, I did these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports for nerds. So while okay. the guys my age were like playing basketball or something, I was doing presentations competitively. That's how I learned how to speak, got older, started coaching all the other students for free, just helped them win competitions. And then mm. I accidentally got really good at communication. So I just started a YouTube channel called Master Talk with the hope of helping other people how to speak and turn to something crazy. Mm, I love that. Ooh, there's so much to unpack there. All right, let's, let's, let's take a step back. So you grew up in Montreal. You grew up in the French part of Canada. You said you have a crooked arm. Is that from birth or is that an accident or... Uh, both. So it was during birth, but it was also an accident in the sense that mm. so I was born. I was born upside down. Yeah, it's mm. uh, and then what happened was when you're born upside down. I, I'm not a I'm not a medicine guy, so don't take my don't take my word right, for right, it. Right, right, right. But essentially, this is bro science guys, bro science. Yeah, it's bro science. So so there's kind of two ways of taking out the baby. The first one is you you pull you pull it out with a vacuum, or you risk the mother's life. You cut the stomach wide open. Right. So for me, the option they took was the vacuum, and that's how my left body got kind of dislocated a little mm, bit, where when I got pulled out, the doctor made a mistake, which happens in like one in a thousand surgeries or something. Interesting. So I'm guessing from childhood, you know, like it's so wild because when we're kids, our whole job is to fit in, right? And then as we get older, you know, now I'm 32, like the thought of fitting in makes me want to throw up. But, but that's because I've got a certain level of confidence in myself. I've accomplished certain things in life. I've got, I've got a certain, you know, bravado about how I see myself and in my life, but you make me eight years old. My entire job is to fit in with the other kids, right? To be properly socialized. <clears throat> that's gotta be really hard with a, with a, with that arm situation happening. Like what was, what was that like? Like what kind of impact did that have you as, on you as a kid? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's a, and, and you know, I will say I, I haven't had the worst bullying situations on the planet just because I guess I'm Canadian. So they went easy on me. The kids were really nice. <laughs> Canadians just being really nice. But but it was really confusing. So definitely the part about not fitting in was was very accurate in the sense that, you know, if you, if you got a broken left arm, you got I had a cast in kindergarten and first grade for, for most of those years. So I would just walk around with the cast, but I also don't know how to speak French, which is the first language of everyone else in the school. So mm. a lot of a lot of my early friends were just nice to me, and they were just talking to me through sign language and, and using the ten percent of the English they had to communicate with me. Because I only right. started speaking somewhat fluently in in French, probably in grade two or three. And was English your I, native language? 
Technically, yeah. So I speak three. I speak English, French, and Tamil. Okay. And the reason English is my first language is because I went to daycare when I was two, three years old. That's how I learned the language. Okay. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, somewhat similar, but not. But not. You know, I grew up in Germany, but that wasn't my native land. Um, so I learned German in kindergarten, um, going to school, and it's crazy though because I don't really have any memories of not speaking German. Like not being able to communicate with other kids. I guess I was just so young that that didn't really register. And maybe you just pick like three-year-olds can't really speak that well anyway. So you just kind of start picking things up rather quickly. Um, but yeah, the the whole dynamic of like how do, how do kids communicate and how do they interact with each other and just building that out. Because obviously you overcame whatever challenges you had because, well, you and I are speaking perfectly fine right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and you're coaching people on communications and and how to win competitions and such. So so fast forward a little bit more. So so you know you go through your adolescence, etc. Like what what kind of brings you into uh, like you said sports for sports for nerds? Yeah, you got it. Yeah, it's a, so so I get into my first semester of college, and I wanted to be an accountant not because I knew what an accountant did is because when I was 12 years old, a career counselor asked all of us, "Hey, you should probably think about what you want to do." And I took that question really seriously. I'm like other <laughs> Unlike other 12-year-olds right. who want to be astronauts or some random career. Because, once again, my parents were, were poor, at least relative to the rest of Canada. So for me, it was really important to have security, like get a six-figure job. Right. I didn't really care if I was happy or not, like most immigrants. I just wanted to make money. So I saw I saw accounting as my way out because it was easy. I was really good at math, and I was really bad at everything else on my report card. So it was an easy choice. I was like, well, if I got 30 kids in a classroom, I'm probably going to be the best accountant or top three. If, if I became one. Right. So that's what I did. I get to my first, without knowing what it does. So, so I get to my first semester of college. I have a prom suit on because I didn't have anything else better to wear. And I go to these networking cocktails. And what somebody told me, I should get a job at one of the big four accounting firms. And I was like, what's that? Which essentially for your audience is like yeah. the, the top four accounting firms in the world. PricewaterhouseCoopers, KPMG, Ernst & Young, and Deloitte. If you get a job at one of these companies in accounting, you survive long enough because super long hours. You'll, you'll right. do pretty well financially in your life. So I was like, okay, I should get a job. But I'm thinking you need good grades. So I go to these networking cocktails, and I meet kids who are three years older than I am. I'm 19 at the time. They're like 22. And they mm -hmm. have full-time jobs lined up at these companies, Yabitsa. So I start going up to them, and I start asking them, so how did you get this job? And they all answered case competitions. And like everyone else in the audience, I was thinking, what's a case competition? I've never heard of that before. They go, oh, like companies spend tens of thousands of dollars. They sponsor these things. They give you business problems. Students present a solution. And whoever they like, they give jobs to. So that's why I ended up doing it. Not because I was super passionate about speaking, but because I saw it as, my, as, a, as a way to get a job. And that's what ended up happening. I just accidentally fell in love with speaking. Okay, so what happens the first time you go? Like, is there a case competition like meetup or something? Like, do all the nerds like get together around a fire and dance around it to like bring the case competition gods favor down? Like, break it down for me. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So there's, two, there's different the chapters to that. So the main one, which is the John Molson Competition Committee, which is the world's largest case competition program, I just so happened to go to that school in Montreal. So what happens is three to four hundred students every year, yeah, it's a, like a like a sports team. They try out for this competition okay. program. Yeah, right. literally, because it's it. like it's like an honor to be a part of this program. There's like eight thousand right, right. students in the business faculty, but there's only 70, 80 people in the program. So it's one percent of the okay. faculty. 
so so I wanted to get it to get in so I could get a job because if I could network with all these people and I could for sure and, and I landed a job at PwC the year after so it worked mm. out and most of us were in cases they work at Goldman Sachs they go to McKinsey they go to all the big companies so so I tr- so it's like a three round tryout so you try out case one then you have a fit interview and then the third the third round is optional depends on if you're they're fifty fifty about you but usually two round is enough to to get you into the program. So I practiced all year. I would go to these random case competitions that, that were outside of this program. And I would bring all my nerd friends together who had like a, a weird obsession with them. And we just wanted to beat the students who were currently in the program so that for sure they would get us in next year. And that's how I got into the program. Mm. Okay. I'm making fun of the whole nerd aspect of it, but I think this is fascinating because there's so many different ways. Like, have you ever thought about the where you ended up in life? is just such a byproduct of coincidences of events that made you realize that something was possible that you didn't realize was possible. That you literally spelt out my life story in one sentence. Yeah. It's like, literally I, I came to, to school at 19. If you had told that 19 year old kid that not only was I going to get the dream job, which I already thought was like crazy. I was going to quit that job to become this generation's Dale Carnegie and create YouTube videos on speaking and do all this stuff, which is still work in progress, obviously. But I would have just thought you had a mental illness. I was like, first of all, why would I quit my job? That makes right. And first of all, how did I get the job? That already doesn't make any sense because I don't have any network. Like, I don't know. Like, my dad isn't like an executive at one of these companies. Right, 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 right. And then you're telling me I against all odds, I get the job and then I cut my salary by 70% and I quit the job. Yeah, that that made absolutely no sense. So yeah, it's it's really odd that like I I went to a school, I started coaching communication accidentally when I was 19 without any passion for it. And then today I have 7 years experience. I love what I do, but if I never wanted to become an accountant, none of this would have happened. This conversation wouldn't even exist. Right. And it's also so you were born in Canada, I'm assuming, right? That's correct. So my but parents, your parents were- are immigrant. You got it from Sri Lanka. Okay. So they were born in the early nineties. Uh, okay. Born in the early nineties. The immigrated in the early nineties. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Uh, <laughs> how old are you right now? I'm 26 currently. Okay, 26. So uh, I always love having um, children of immigrants and em- being an immigrant myself. Granted, I'm kind of a immigrant slash child of an immigrant because I was 10 when we came to the states. Um, and where are you originally from? So I was born in in, well, in Bosnia, what was Yugoslavia, and then lived in Germany for seven years, and then came to the states. Gotcha. Um, but I love the immigrant hustle. It's almost like the, the way I explain it to people is most of us are too unaware to realize that something isn't possible. Um, because we come to, I'll use the American ethos. I know you live in Canada, but in the American ethos, kind of like the story that sold to you is like the land of opportunity, right? That's kind of like the, 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 the general vibe of the story. And with that, like people take that genuinely seriously. They're like, shit, okay, let's go. Like anything's possible. And and you don't really have like generations, like you're, you don't really have a grandparent to tell you about, yeah, that's not really a thing. So like you end up just trying things and it ends up working. And the next thing you know, you own like two gas stations, three falafel shops and like something else, a liquor store. And you're like, oh, I'm rich. <laughs> so like off of like these blue collar jobs. So, so I, I always just love hearing those stories and, and how they come together because it's always just so fascinating to me, no matter where, you know, people come from. And, and to your point, Yavitsa, like 
gratitude is so relative. I think that's why you see a lot of mm. you see a lot of immigrants hustle like crazy because I'm not an immigrant technically, but right, right, right. But, but since you grew up in an immigrant household, which comes with a certain mindset. Correct. Absolutely. Right. So because my parents always reminded me how lucky I was, obviously when you're 12 years old, you don't really care. You just want to play video games. Right. But then as you get older and you go back to your home country, kind of see how other people live, you're like, oh shit, like I got given the golden ticket of life. Right. So I better not screw this up. So that right. 10x to my work ethic. So I was like, well, if my parents worked in a factory, my number one priority should be retiring them so they could at least enjoy because they don't have Dude. a retirement waiting for yes. them. You yes. know, retirement fund. So that was my focus. I was like, well, this is this is a country where I can easily make a million dollars a year if I wanted to. If I right. really pushed myself to and I worked like a dog and I went crazy. And that's that's what I pursued. Well, even 100K is already good if you know how to manage the money properly. But that's the idea. Yeah, it's it's the whole being constantly reminded of how good you have it. Like I remember I would just look around at kids my age and be like, you people are just dumb. Like that was my mindset at the time. Honestly, <laughs> I don't think about it this way. I mean, there's still some people that I meet where I'm just like, you're just not very bright, but it's right. a lot less. But at the time I was just like, you people are just dumb. Like, what are you doing wasting your days? Um, and don't get me wrong. I enjoy my, like, I like to have a good time. I've always liked to have a good time, but I also always like had to have some sort of greater vision for my life. And it's not just me. It's all the, the kids in my circumstances that I understood, that I knew understood that um, in a lot of ways. And it's so <clears throat> now the other side of that coin is, all right, you make it to, what'd you say? PWC? Yep. You got it. Okay, so you you go and work in the hellhole. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the big four because that's just a meat grinder for uh, for 22 year olds. Yeah, if you make it to partner, you you make some money, but in in the meantime, they just break down your soul. So um, great companies, just not a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> I, I see it a little bit differently, right? Because you're right, it is it is a meat grinder. I'm not going to lie about that. But I think what I like about those firms is that it gives people like me a chance to to stand out in the marketplace mm, because because to your point most people who aren't immigrants who you know who get everything handed to them they don't survive in those firms very long right right right, right? they're done after two years they get their cpa and they're out of there obviously if i i didn't i didn't end up staying long either but if master talk wasn't a thing i would have stayed in that corporate career i would have suffered for a decade to get to that level of income because right. i had that resilience but if it wasn't for those big name firms I would never have those same opportunities. So yeah, you're right. But I think there's a double-edged sword there too to think about. Yeah, I, th I think my beef with it is more so I'm a little bit older than you. So I've seen some of the damage emotionally, mentally that those firms have caused to people that I know. Fair. Um, and I don't like the culty aspect of it. Fair enough. When So I, I, like the f I do agree with you. I like the fact that you can stand out and whatever, go grind for four years, five years, whatever, out of college, out of your master's degree. Um, but there is very much so a culture, at least in my experience of like, you can't leave here because you can't be successful anywhere else. Like, it's like, what are you going to like being partnered at EY is the greatest honor on earth. No, it's not, dude. You can go get be rich doing something else. Literally. It's the greatest honor. <laughs> I'm getting up with you. That's why I ended up quitting. Right. But yeah. 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 So it's it, like you said, it's a double edged sword. Um, I just, again, my opinion on those firms would be different if I was 26 versus 32. But again, at this stage of my life, I'm, I mean, I, ha I know people at those firms who are starting to have families and how destructive it is to their family. Oh yeah. And I'm sitting here like this ain't it, bro. Um, but <clears throat> again, it gives opportunities. It gives, you're completely right on that. Like if you can just differentiate yourself and then push through to open up other doors, there's, I mean, there, <laughs> the world is your oyster on that front and it teaches discipline, you know, 
embracing the suck. Uh, it's also interesting. I was, I was talking to one of my coaches last week and he was talking to me about this concept of return on energy instead of ROI, ROE, you know, auditing the things that you do professionally, how much energy do they give you versus how much energy do they take away from you? And then offloading the things that, that take energy away from you. And he said, if you were 22, I would never tell you to do this exercise because at 22, you need to suffer through some things to even see what get like, you just need to see what, what grinding it out even means. But at this stage, you've already proven you can grind it out. Now let's figure out, okay, where, since your time is becoming more and more precious, where do we focus that it. time? Yeah. Um, because again, at 22, I don't have a wife. I don't have a kid. I have unlimited time. I can do, you need me to work until midnight? Fuck it. Let's go. Um, now that ain't happening. Like I'm not sacrificing my daughter's <laughs> emotional and mental development for your, for your PNL. It ain't happening. Right. And, and what you're, you're touching on is really the, the importance of as we age, ideally, ideally the quality of our decision-making improves. Right. right. So there's kind of like different facets because then as you grow up to your point, I love the concept of ROE. My version of this is from Rob Deerdeck where he says, never follow a passion, always follow energy. Because mm, if you follow energy, you'll always get to where you want to be. But then in the context of, of decision making, like as you get older, you start to figure out what you're really good at, what you aren't. Because obviously mm -hmm. it's easy for me to say, oh, yeah, everybody listening to this. That's why I'm, I'm very pragmatic like you. I think that's what we share as a commonality is just from just the way that you're communicating ideas very just in a very practical way. Is like for me, it's more about saying as we get older, we figure out what makes sense statistically for us based on a self-awareness right. and then we make the best decision. Like it, it's easy for me to say, yeah, you guys just burn the ships and like quit your corporate job. But I, there was a lot of circumstantial ideas and things that happened in my life that created a unique positioning for me to be successful in this one thing. And I had to do a lot of self-development growth and suffer through three years of building that business to make that successful. But right. for most people listening to this, the real answer is going, okay, maybe the big four isn't the answer. But let me grind this for six years and then pick a if, – and if I, if I want to spend more time with my daughter, my kids, definitely it's not going to be staying at the big four. But it's going right. to – as an example, as a placeholder but right. it's going to be saying okay where's that industry job with the market is really stable i probably shouldn't be in, in the airline industry because i'll get laid off during a recession right and right. then you kind of make your you kind of back engineer but most people don't even do that and that's why they get caught windsided yeah it's about how do you create uh the largest statistical probability of success in whatever you're trying to pursue pursue yeah. um, and you're right your your decision making process becomes more and more refined um the older you get and the more Again, for me, it's just one maturity, two understanding what I'm good at and what I'm not good at, and then three. Again, my minutes become more precious. Like I woke up at four fifty this morning and went and worked out. Why? Not because I enjoy waking up at four fifty in the morning, but because if I don't do it, then I don't have time throughout the day to do it at any other point. It ain't happening. Back in the day, two years ago, I used to be able to be like, "Cool, I'm going at five o'clock in the afternoon." Now it's like, no, I got to go play with my kid and hang out with my wife and like make dinner together. Like that's a reality. Right. Yeah. And, and what you're touching on is, is really the principle back to the audience, which is you need to design your life exactly as you want it to in advance so that it becomes as realistic to the life you want to live. 
because my version of your life when I'm in my 30s, and I could be totally wrong. We could talk again in five years and go, you know what? Everything I right. said on this podcast, right. Right. except the tips I shared, were complete BS. I was wrong. Right. But it's about saying, like, for me, that that your my when I'm 32 or 33, it's more like, no, my wife will do most of those things, but I'll pay for all the bills so that I'm only spending quality time with my daughter. And then I'll see how that plays out. And then I'll right. get into trouble this way or that way. But you kind of have to figure out how you yeah. want to design your life. But everyone's yeah. got their own thing. <laughs> Right. Well, you, you bounce from one to the other. And so it, it's interesting because so I get emails all of the time about people who want to be on the podcast. And quite frankly, I've taken a couple months off from the podcast because I just needed a mental break. So if you look at the feed, I haven't put anything out until since November. That's on purpose. I just needed a I needed a step back. And uh, I get emails all the time. And most of the emails I just delete. I read like the first three sentences and I'm like, screw this. I don't want I, I, I have no interest in interviewing this person. But yours was really interesting because I think communication is such a crucial aspect of life and the ability to effectively communicate because I truly believe that if you can effectively communicate, you can pretty much get whatever you want. It may not be instant, but you will get it. Um, so as you coach people through effective communication, what are like what are some of the initial um barriers you come across what are some of the initial limiting beliefs what are some of the initial things that you need to sh just teach people on like give me give me the breakdown on that yeah for sure yeah it's a happy to so for me the structure is communications like juggling 18 balls at the same time so one of those balls is smiling one of those vocal tone variety one of them is body language facial expressions vocal tones and the list goes on mm. but it gets really overwhelming for people who are just getting started so for me, the way that I've kind of broken this down to make it easier for people to digest is simply what are the three easiest balls to juggle? Because hmm. if you okay. can juggle these three balls, kind of like with fitness, like you, you talked about the gym. So yeah, sure. Calorie counting might be important. Having a very customized diet plan might be interesting. But walking 50 minutes a day consistently every day is probably step one. Right. It's probably right. saying no to soft drinks. Right, so what does that look or, or alcohol or something? So what does that look like in the context of comms? So the way I've broken this down to my easy threes that people can just do every day, and I pretty much guarantee you'll see a spike in your comms if you do this for 30 days straight. So one is the random word exercise. The second is the question drill. And the third one is the video mess. I'll pause after each one so you can jump in if you want. So the first one is the random word exercise. Pick a random word like ceiling, like floor, like light bulb, like home, and create random presentations out of thin air. Ooh, and I this, love that. Yeah. I so love this serves that. two purposes. The first one is you can deal with uncertainty because life is filled with it, right? When you go to a party, you go to an event, you're meeting somebody new for the first time. You don't bring a predisposition to list of questions, say, this is how this conversation is going to go. You just have to deal with it. And the second piece that people can write down if they want is if you can make sense out of nonsense, you can make sense out of anything. Interesting. So it's basically, and sorry, maybe you can hear my kid in the background. You're screaming. all good. I love kids. Um, it's, uh, it's interesting. You, I love the randomness of that because I think a lot of people get caught up in not having a plan and then that paralyzes them. Like my magic trick in social settings is if I'm talking to somebody and they're about as interesting as a paper napkin, but they're like, they're giving me something and I'm sitting here like, shit, I need to keep talking to this person. Tell me more. They're talking about like, they're, they're an engineer or something and they're talking about their job and I have no idea what they're talking about. I'm just like, no, just tell me more. And I just keep being like, oh, why is that? Oh yeah, that's interesting. What? A, and I just pick a random word. They said, no, like, tell me about X. 
And I just keep, and eventually they will hit something that I know and I understand and I care about, and then we can run with it from there. So, so just <laughs> getting people to pull those random words out to where you can pivot from there. Absolutely. Another version, since we're on conversation, we go to bald number two, if you want, Yavitsa, is I, what I do in relationship building is I just make a list of questions that I wished other people asked me and I just ask those Ooh, questions. Yeah. Right? Because what's nice is most people are lazy in conversations. You can literally control the whole conversational flow. Like, for example, I'm not the guy you ask about the weather. Like, I don't care about the weather. Just look outside. It doesn't matter. Like, right. like I'm sure it doesn't matter to some people. But for me, it's more like, hey, what are your top three goals this year? What are you the most excited about? What are you grateful for this week? What, what you, what's mm. cool in your life right now? Right. What do you find fascinating? A book you read. But what happens is that when people answer the question, they either go, they always go, what about you? So you're literally just answering your own question, which is beautiful. That's interesting. Um, hmm. Okay. So does that ever backfire on you? Usually if it backfires on me, it never backfires like in a nasty way. Like it always, if it backfires, it goes like, oh, well, I never really thought about that. Mm, let's talk about something else. It's more like that. But if that happens, I usually just don't want to talk to this person anymore. Because right. And the reason I was like being honest on podcasts because that's the only way to help people is is going back to the idea of wait a second there's like eight billion people in the world and if you right. meet somebody new every every week every two weeks you're meeting between like fifty to a hundred new people a year you do that for fifty years before you're dead and you're meeting five thousand people so you don't really get to talk to a lot of people so I might as well just talk to people I really like and have them introduce me to their cool friends. See, it's interesting. I always wonder about that because people ask me for advice on like communication and like all kinds of different stuff all the time. And um, I also sometimes struggle with it. I talk to my wife about it. Um, there's really no way for things to backfire on me because I'm a physically imposing human. Yeah, so you I'm do six, feel a little scary. It's true. Like I'm 6'3", 235 pounds. Like you ain't going to say oh, shit to me. Really? You know what I mean? Like, and I'm like the nicest guy. Like, I am not a mean person by any stretch. Oh, spread. I know. Yeah, I could tell. But, yeah. but people, like, all the time, people are like, yeah, when I first met you, I was really intimidated. So, like, I can't get the feedback of, like, the backfire the same way, like, a five foot four, you know, girl could. So, I, you know, they can't take the same exact approach to things that, that I can. So, I can also, like, bully my way into situations and, like, open an opportunity because again, I know I'm physically imposing. <laughs> so like at a networking event, like I'm just going to start a conversation with you and there's nothing you can do about it. I don't care if you're the CEO of whatever company, like we're going to chat. Um, and then that leads to opportunities eventually. So it's also, but again, also probably four or five years ago, I wouldn't have, I would not have been able to neither recognize nor articulate that that was a reality in my life. Mm. Um, so we all have different, <clears throat> different, um, strengths and weaknesses um, in, in the way we can approach conversation. So I know a lot of times maybe I need to tone it down and like bring it in to like not, not allow for people to have barriers up because they're, they're afraid or whatever. So uh, yeah, <laughs> that can be a, that can be Honestly, a I'm pretty scared talking to you too. So I can, man, I'm sorry. I'm just over here. just going to break the, break this mic in half. Um, what's the third, what's the third ball? Right. So, so ball number one is the random word exercise. Let's do ball number two as well, which is the question drill. So the question drill is basically we get asked questions all the time in our life, right? Like mm -hmm. at school, at work, with our friends, our family, on a podcast. But most of us are reactive to those questions, not proactive. 
So I'll give an example of what I mean. Yavitsa. So a few years ago, when I was starting to guest on shows and I suck, I was so bad at it. I remember some guy asked me, like, where does the fear of communication come from? And I mm. looked at him and I said, I don't know, dude, like London, New York, like you tell me, I don't know where this thing's from. So I didn't really answer the question really well. So how did I fix this? Every single day for five minutes, I answered one question that I thought somebody would ask me about my expertise. So day mm. one was like, where, how do you overcome the fear of speaking? Day two was like, what tips do you have for introverts? Day three was like, what, t- what tips can you work on every day? But if you do that every day for five minutes with just one question for like a year, you'll have answered 300 and 65 questions about your industry. You'll be Damn. bulletproof. That's number That's two. That's really good. That's really good. I like that. What about the third ball? The third one's so simple, nobody does it, which is make a list of five people you really love in your life. It could be a brother, a sister, a nephew, a kid. It could be a client. It could be a coworker that you really enjoy spending time with. It could be a boss and just send them 20-second video messages, just expressing Ooh. how much you appreciate having them in your life. And it is the best way to practice video messaging at scale because even if you give the worst video, there's only one rule, by the way, to this exercise. You're not allowed to retake the video. So whatever you make is what you send. And what happens is the people on the receiving end, you think, oh, they're going to give me feedback of how bad I am. But what always happens, pretty much 90% of the time, unless it's like an old buddy who thinks you're sick or something, is, is they'll reply with, wow. I've never received a video message in my life. This person must really care about me. That's funny. Yeah. So just do that a few times a day and you'll be so good on video. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, it's funny. I, I, uh, I love posting video. Obviously I love doing a video podcast. I love posting videos on LinkedIn, things like that. And I never really, when, when I think back at my life, I think a lot of it has to do with just being like an immigrant in two different cultures. You know, I was an immigrant and then I had to start over, was an immigrant again. So I never really got to fit in. So I had to figure out how to communicate effectively. I've never really, but I've never had stage fright. Like I understand why people are afraid of speaking in front of people. I just don't get it. I cannot relate to that feeling. Like I remember being 11 and being like, I got this. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so like, no, there's other insecurities and fears that I have, but that ain't one. Like speaking in front of people, communicating with people, that is just my entire life come completely naturally to me. Um, so I've I've always been fascinated because I, I I've been told I'm a good public speaker. I believe I'm a good public speaker, et cetera. But I've always wondered, like, man, what if I actually like worked at this? Like, what could I what could I do and what could I accomplish? Um, so I always love hearing like tips and tricks, like such as the three balls that you're talking about juggling, um, because those are just like such easy easy ways to improve your communication style. Literally. Absolutely. Yeah, so that's the key, right? Is when you're when you do these three balls, what happens is at the beginning, the thought process that your audience will have is the first random word exercise they do, they'll go, Oh, I can't do this exercise. This is right. impossible. Like I have to pick a word and create a random word presentation right away. Like this makes sense. But what happens, especially since you have a kid, though she might not be old enough, but if she's like at least four or five years old, it'll definitely work is you give them like a random word, but the kid is our greatest teacher. Kid doesn't Mm. go back to you and say, hey dad, let's have a 30 minute conversation around the fear of judgment. I'm not comfortable doing this exercise. No, they just go, oh, dad gave me glasses. Oh, glasses, I don't have glasses, but my dad has glasses and allows him to see and see the world. Like they're just gonna make something up. They're not gonna think about the fear of rejection. 
or judgment, but they learn that through the educations and through their peer groups, the people around them. But at the beginning, they're still fresh. And we right. need to apply that same mindset to this. That's why my best advice always is take those easy threes and book 50 minutes in your calendar. Like right now as you're listening to this and just do it every day. So that mm -hmm. way you're doing the random word exercise in the shower. And one shower is every day, so just do it. You question drill, right? One question, right? And then video message, pick three people, send video messages to. What's nice is you can integrate this with your family too. You can do the random word exercise with your kids. You can have your kids send video messages to their aunties and uncles. It blows people's minds and it makes people's days. And question drills, just ask them really open-ended questions. Mm, like, yep. uh, not like, how was your day? Not that stupid question that gets nothing out of kids, but something more like, what was the biggest lesson you learned about yourself this year? They go, oh. And then you start going, oh, I don't really know. And then they start thinking about things. So, Yeah, it's interesting. So I do a lot of those things unprompted myself. Like my wife makes fun of me all the time for talking to myself. Like I have full blown conversations with myself, like arguments. I will pick mm. different sides and then like try to steal man the other side. Like I will pick topics that I do not care about and pick art and then like go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I think a lot of that just has to do with, I always want to be able to have a conversation with someone, but also being in sales. Um, like the random word exercise, that's basically just sales. Like I have an HP printer over here. I know nothing about HP printers, but I guarantee you I could sell that HP printer right there. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I will make up some crap that'll sound good about it. Um, <laughs> Now in corporate, like B2B, like enterprise sales is a little bit different because you're not selling a product one time real quick. You're trying to sell like a $200,000 contract to someone. Right. So it's a very different dynamic and world. But there again, because you're, so, so this is this is interesting. So I had somebody ask me uh, who recently got into sales, like, hey, so when you're having a conversation, like, how do you maintain power between you and the prospect? And I was like, whoa, bro, I am not selling used cars. If I'm talking to HP, you know who has the power? HP. Like, period. <laughs> like, I have zero power. Mm. None. Um, however, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to figure out is, do they have a problem and do we have a solution for the problem? Okay, so you, you do have a problem. Is our solution uh, what is going to give you the best ROI on you investing into, that pro into a solution for that problem? Okay, you want it? Great. Now, you and I have to work as a team to convince your executive team to stroke a check for 150 grand for this product. So it's not me trying to sell the the person that's trying to buy from me. It's me trying to figure out, can we work together? And if we can work together, how can we effectively move this across the finish line together? Absolutely. I love that approach. And it's the one we take as well. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what else is like, I'm trying to think through like just different ways. So I've never had somebody who coaches and communicates. I mean, is there anything that surprises you about people? Like when you first like speak with them on, and they're trying to get better in public speaking or communicating in general? For sure, man, for sure. Yeah. You know what I would say is the biggest mistake a lot of people make or rather have, which I think a lot of the industry teaches, which I'm trying to unlearn right now for, for everybody. <laughs> That's the goal anyways, is that one, there's no structured approach to speaking that okay. I know of. So it's really just, okay, Become a better speaker. Be yourself. Imagine everyone in their underwear. So everyone's just sitting there like, okay, how do I how do I get better? That's why you don't see linear progress. The other piece is around the fear. You know, the culture that we live in really emphasizes the fear of communication a lot. Did you know that besides the fear of death, we have the fear of communication, right? Like side to side. I was like, it's not that bad. Right. And and because of that, we we don't even take the first step to doing the random word exercise. That's the key. The challenge is going from zero to one. It's not one to a hundred. 
that part's actually a lot infinitely easier. Because if you do the random word exercise 10 times, and I just ask you what else is possible through communication skills, you'll do it another 90 times. You'll say, yeah, I could do right. this 100 times. And you're off to the races. But now the question becomes, how do you kind of alleviate that fear that really that really draws a blank for a lot of people? So what you do is by comparing it to any other skill, like common sense. So if you think about cooking for the first time or driving the first time or asking out a girl for the first time or a guy for the first time, college degrees, getting married, having a job, having kids, all of these things have fear attached to it. Right. It's right, not that right. they have zero fear. It's that the motivation behind why we do those things exceeds the fear. But we don't apply that same simple analogy to communication. That's why the question I always challenge people to think about is how would your life change if you were an exceptional communicator? And for mm. all of us, that answer is different. Yavitsa, right? Some people like you who are an enterprise B2B, it might be, hey, I want to I increase my bottom line, make better commission, and also be a better father for my kids. Right. Mm -hmm. For somebody else it's, who's more in their 20s, like, yeah, man, I just want to triple my annual salary. I want to grow through the, the big four ranks. Communication is going to help me there. And then somebody else who's a stay-at-home mom says, hey, I want to show up better with my family. I want to be a better communicator so I don't raise children who don't know how to resolve conflict in a healthy and productive way. So we mm -hmm. all have our own reason. You don't need to be a Tony Robbins to master communication. Right, right. I think it's for everybody. You just got to find what that reason is for you. Mm. Interesting. And do you help people find that reason? Is there like an exercise you go through to find that reason? Yeah, I could teach it for sure. So, so for, it depends, right? If somebody works with me longer than three months, I'll, I'll do the deeper dive. Most people just don't take the time, but I'll, I'll give you the tip for what, for what it's worth. So it's actually what you want to do. The number one priority for everyone listening to this is to do the easy threes consistently. Cause going through the deeper reason like just takes a little bit more time. Whereas the random word exercise, the question drill, the video message is like a no brainer. You do this for 30 days. You're like, okay, I'm better. Now, now if I want to stay consistent with this longer, let's go deeper. And the way that you go deeper through, there's a couple of ways. So one is you just ask that question mm. two or three times a day. How would my life change? And the way that I teach it is you just write a bunch of reasons. It's always better to do this in a group. So what I do is I have like a group, let's say 10 to 15 execs, and we all write down ideas. Like, how would your life be better? So everyone writes like 10 ideas, and then everyone just shares them with each other. And then I just tell everyone in the room to just circle the three that resonates with them the best. So let's say, I'll give an example that I did this like six months ago, or is it eight months ago? I don't remember. So I was doing this, and then one person goes, you know, it allows me to create a better impact with my message. And somebody else goes, I actually want to make new friends. And we go, oh, I don't really think of that. That's a good mm. one. Then somebody yeah. else goes, I want to show up better as a parent. Uh, obviously, that stuff I'm saying now, but obviously never resonated with me. I'm not a parent. I, I needed somebody else to tell me that. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. And then everyone's going to circle a different set of three. And then they're going to look at the three and go out of those three, which is the one going back to ROE that you feel pulled energetically return on energy towards the most. And that's what ends up becoming your kind of draft version one of your communication one. Mm, interesting. I like that. I like that. Um, we're coming up on time here on our episode, but this was, uh, like I said, I, I don't think I've ever really spoken with anybody on the podcast on this specific topic. And it's a topic that I think it's fun. I think it's a topic that's enjoyable and, and, um, I'll, I'm always thinking through it. So, um, I always love when folks can come on here and, and share something, share something cool. So if people want to get a hold of you, you can go to mastertalk.ca, right? 
For sure, Yavitsa. And then there's there's two other places as well. Second one is the YouTube channel. Just go on Master Talk for that. And you'll have access to hundreds of videos. And then the the other piece is for those who want to come to a free workshop that I do on communication over Zoom. It's free. It's live. It's fun. You go to rockstarcommunicator.com for that. Cool. Now, last question. Um, question I always ask. If you go back to 18-year-old you, wide-eyed and bushy-tailed, going to college, um, <laughs> ready to conquer the world, just going to be the best damn CPA that's ever walked the face of the earth. Um, knowing all that you know about yourself at this stage of your life and knowing all that you know in general, if you could go back in time, what's one piece of advice you'd give yourself? I always like to share this, Yavitsa, which is be insane or be the same. If you want to be like everyone else, <laughs> that's totally fine, right? That's what that's what 18, 19-year-old Brendan wanted. He wanted to be like everyone else. But yeah. the day that he decided to grow an obsession for a case competition, that's when he started to live a life, live life very differently. Because I went from doing those case competitions to going, oh, I actually love this. I'm like the Michael Jordan nobody cares about. That's the way I describe myself. <laughs> Where like last, you know, if, for those who are listening who have who have watched the Last Dance documentary on Netflix, right? Which I'm sure you might have seen. Yes. You see, you see MJ, and I don't even like basketball. I just like the I just like listening to him, like his mindset. Right. And he's and he's vicious with his teammates. I was the same thing with, but it just nobody. I don't get in trouble for it because nobody cares about case competition. So. <laughs> okay. So basically, I went from this kid who just wanted to get a job to I started winning these competitions, but I also started losing them. And I started getting really mm. upset around losing. So I said, All I'm right. not going to lose again. And then I became an executive in that program. And then I started to upscale the other people so that we could dominate the other schools. But the point there that I want to drive is, don't you find it bizarre, Yavid said, that you're having a conversation with a 26-year-old kid who started a YouTube channel four years ago, not on, like, you know debate or actually pranks no 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 finance bro finance bro finance 20 26 year old selling bitcoin and other bullshit that's the that's the that's the move sir but fair enough but but i started youtube on executive communication too then i went out to coach people double my age do well financially yet i still live in my mother's basement i have a nice car it's like a 2013 toyota camry sort of immigrant that's a really nice car bro and then And it's then, the ultimate immigrant car. It is. I drive literally. one too. <laughs> and, and for us, it's like it, we upgraded from a 1997 Toyota right. Camry to like a 2003. So we're balling now. But my my sister drives it because I'm too scared to drive it. And a karaoke in eight different languages. How does any of this make any sense? But that's the point I want to drive, Yabitsa, is when every decision in your life makes sense to the only person that it should, which is pretty much you, you're probably making the right decisions in life. That's why I always like to say be insane or be the same. Mm, I love that. I love that. Um, cool. Well, hey, I'll uh, I'll put all the uh, links and such in the description of the of the episode. But appreciate you coming on. This was fun. Yeah, this is great, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, for everybody listening, uh, feel free to reach out to me. You know how to do it. You've heard it a million times on this podcast. Check out thelogoswave.com. Um, reach out to me on LinkedIn, Instagram, etc. And uh, outside of that, Brendan, thanks for coming on. Appreciate you.